Hello, and welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. I'm excited to tell you about this week. We have a, a pretty special show this week. We um we did this thing, a special episode this week, where we did a road trip uh, thing. And we, we went from, or I did, from Hollywood, California, and I went down to Redondo Beach to pick up Dark Journey. Uh, those of you that are wrestling fans, especially from the 80s and the early 90s, will remember her from... The uh, the old Mid South promotion with Bill Watts and she was the uh, the valet with for the old Missing Link and uh, did many battles with Sunshine and Ronnie Garvin and what a good time for me as a kid and then she moved on to uh, Jim Crockett Promotions and was with Dick Slater and for a while with the Four Horsemen and all that and uh, doing some stuff she lives down uh, in Redondo Beach so I went and picked her up and and uh, and we headed out. Here was here was the let me set the stage for you here. Uh, Sin Bodhi, uh, who you might remember, wrestled in WWE for a while, called uh, under the name Kazarni. He's got this great great promotion called Freak Show Wrestling, and I really wanted her to see it. I had met uh, Dark Journey uh, during WrestleMania weekend, um, WrestleMania thirty, I should say. When there was actually a, a Mid-South reunion and she was there and we met. And uh, after that, I had gone on to uh, literally that same night, starting at midnight at Tulane University there in, in New Orleans. I actually went to this thing called Kaju Big Battle. And you'll have to look that up and it's pretty weird. And people were wrestling as food and it's just it's just really absurd and, and awesome. And I had posted some pictures of it, and she, uh, Dark Journey, had seen them and liked them so much. And I was uh, originally going to try to take her to a Kaju event if it ever had happened. And us living, uh, you know, across the country from each other was kind of difficult. And I was uh, in Vegas, of course, this past April for the Cauliflower Alley uh, convention, and. Um, and saw Sin there, and he had mentioned about Freak Show Wrestling. We was going to have an event the next day, and I was in right outside of Hollywood, California, where I was going to actually be the next day. So I saw the show. It was at, uh, you guys might remember the wrestler Rikishi. He has a, a gym there. And uh, it was so awesome. I've been talking about it ever since. And I thought, well, hey, next time that I'm in L.A., if we can't see Kaju, I was going to take her to see uh, Freak Show Wrestling. Well, it finally happened. Uh, Freak Show Wrestling came to L.A. Uh, or came to California for, for three big shows. and But the one in Los Angeles was actually going to be on the exact same night, unfortunately, as a uh, charity event that I was participating in for, uh, for breast cancer at the, at the Hollywood Roosevelt there in Hollywood. And so I saw that they were playing, or performing rather, I should say, in a town I'd never even heard of, it, Hemet, California, about two hours east uh, out in Orange County. And so I, I thought of this really funny, cheesy idea or cheesy title of like, hey, why not we take a dark journey with Dark Journey uh, out to Freak Show Wrestling? So that's what you're about to hear is um, is just that. I went down and I picked up uh, Dark Journey there in, in Redondo Beach and uh, we made our way east uh, out to Freak Show Wrestling and had a great, great time. And, and here's how we're going to set it up here is that you'll, the, 
the interview was actually uh, in, in two parts. Um, you'll hear both parts, you know, today in this one show. But part one is the journey out there, uh, and then I'll give you a little break there and play you some music and stuff. And uh, and then part two is Dark Journey's reaction to Freak Show Wrestling, which that's kind of a fun thing for anybody that's seen something like that for the first time. And, and if you've never seen it, I think the next time it comes to, uh, if you're out in California, uh, it's coming back to Los Angeles on uh, Saturday, December the 12th. Uh, the main event is already being billed as Black Santa versus Zombie Jesus. So it should be a good, good fun time there with a little twisted little Christmas theme there. And so if you can go to Facebook.com slash Freak Show Wrestling Official, you can kind of get more uh, more information there. And, um, and also uh, to know more um, about Dark Journey, if you go to also go to Facebook and type in Wrestling's Dark Journey, she's on there. And obviously more information is available on, uh, on our website at www.trickykid.com. And that's T-R-I-C-K-Y hyphen kid.com so here we go so please enjoy uh part one of dark journey to freak show wrestling with a wrestling legend from the 80s dark journey everybody welcome this week to tricky kid radio i'm your host roy turner welcome to a very special road trip edition of tricky kid radio i'm actually we actually i should say because my guests are right here is none of oh oh is none other than <laughs> Dark Journey uh, from back in the Mid-South world-class days. DJ, how are you? I'm very good. Very good today. We are actually traveling right now out to Hemet, California. Uh, this is part of a road trip. We're going to we're going out to see Freak Show Wrestling. Uh, Sin Bodhi, uh, who wrestled as Kazarni in the WWE, has this great program that... Uh, DJ and I here. I'll be referring to Dark Journey from here on out as DJ, so that's who, who you know what we're talking about. Uh, so right now, we're headed out looking for 60 East, and we thought we would bring you guys along with us. So a couple of things, uh, DJ, I wanted to ask you was, uh, so you just got back from New Jersey, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and what were you doing up there? Um, I was doing a convention. It was um, New Jersey. I was working with Rob Feinstein at the table. I was doing signings, autographs, and I did a DVD that will be out in about three weeks. Okay, okay. Talk a little bit about that, well, if you can. Yeah, I flew in on Friday afternoon. I went to Monroe, New Jersey, to uh, the Crown Plaza, and next to my room, they had another room set up for... Uh, the interview. So I think we talked about an hour, maybe a little over an hour. Oh wow! Okay. And then, and now I, I don't want to give away you know stuff about the DVDs so people can, can see it when it comes out. Right. But talk about. Uh, so what was what was the convention that you were at? Um, what was that convention? I'm kind of losing my thought right now. Um, it was a Legends of the Ring convention in New Jersey. Oh uh, my it was go- my first time uh, doing a convention, actually. Okay. In my entire career. So, what was when was the last time you would say that you were actively, regularly, weekly on, on television in a wrestling capacity? Oh, it's been years ago. Um, I think the last time I was 27. 27, so what is it, 37 years ago. Okay, and so I bet there were a lot of people there you hadn't seen in quite a, quite a long time, correct? Actually, 
there was no one there I could think of right offhand that I had ever met in person in the past. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yeah. So everybody there was new to me. They're not new to the business, but they were new they to me. They were new to you. Right. Well, to give to give our listeners a little, little bit of feedback, uh, I, of course, uh, I grew up in, in the South watching the old Mid-South wrestling, Bill Watts promotion with Leroy McGurk and Jim Ross and all that. And obviously, world class wrestling for the Von Erichs in Texas. And I used to watch you every single week, and I was a big, big fan of yours. And uh, so, this is very exciting for me to be able to take this trip with you. Um, and just to give our listeners a little bit of more background, you and I met about a year and a half ago during WrestleMania 30 week in New Orleans. Yes. And CWF was having, or they were trying to at least, very least, have a. They play with Oh my 
<laughs> I, I think it was really good. I'm not trying to be partial to me. Of course not. I just don't see, not that I watch a lot of wrestling, but I just don't see uh, some of the storylines like that anymore. Well, what do you what do you recall? Like, cause, you know, Bill Watts has a notorious reputation for being a very no-bullshit, very tough guy to, to work for and work with. Uh, obviously, he got results, and, and it was, to this day, the Mid-South promotion is my all-time favorite. So, obviously, he knew what he was doing, but when you hear people that used to work for him, uh, some people swear by him and others not so much. What what, what was your relationship with him? Well, as I had said in my interview that's coming up, I, I don't have any negative feelings regarding Bill Watts. Uh, I have positive feelings. Uh, I never was recommended. I was never uh, talked down to. I, I was barely with him ever. I mean, I was always with either if it wasn't Jake Slater, but it was Link. And it was only at the time we were doing taping. It was never like we were brought into his office. Um, right. Some people were, uh, I don't I, either, I guess there was a few people were speculating there was something going on with Bill and I. It's just that Bill was trying to work his business. It wasn't personal. So if he got rid of someone, finished them up, got him out of the business and brought him back, I must have been doing something right. My character must have been selling. Sure. And it's not personal. It's about business. And like I had said before, then get your own business with your own money and run it the way you like. Yeah. But it's, it's, he wants the next person to succeed just as much as you do. So right. if he gets rid of you, it's not personal. It's, personal, it's business. Right. Um, I've never been, like I said, you know, in, in private or been called to the office or you know talked down to. So um, other than that, I thought he was a good man. He, he seemed generous enough, you know, trying to keep his business together. And unfortunately, at one time, he had to um, sell it to Crockett. Jim Crockett. And, uh, yeah, I don't even understand what that was going on. I mean, all of a sudden, he was going bankrupt. And I was like, what? I thought we were doing great. So I don't I don't understand that. So I, okay. it might have been business. To let, let our, our listeners kind of fill you in a little bit, whatever. When she says link, you're referring, of course, to, to the missing link. The missing link, and that yeah. was that was the, the main, you were the main ballet manager work, working with, with, would you say the most time was with the missing link? The missing link, right. With Dick Slater okay. brought me into the business. Okay, right. Okay, yeah. and then also, what she's referring to, what you're referring to is... In 1986, 87, in order to compete with Vince McMahon, Bill Watts uh, kind of allowed his ego to kind of uh, say, I want to compete, and I'm not going to be one of the territories that dies like the rest of them. And he tried to go national and rebranded his product from Mid-South to the Universal Wrestling Federation. And with that came more problems and more money, and there was more money going out the door than coming in the door. Yeah, I did. And then with one year, he ended up having to sell the business to Jim Crockett. Okay, I, 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 I'm remembering now that he was losing talent to New York, so that, that was that, part of it. Right. I didn't think that he was losing enough. Obviously, we know who wasn't at the next taping or who we lost. Right. Um, but maybe, yeah, it was his top part. He had to sign a contract where... On a weekly basis, whatever money we were getting paid or monies, that he would get half or a percentage. So instead of getting your whole paycheck, you'd only get a percentage of your paycheck. And it was enough to live on. Like I, I've never made that much money again in my whole life for a week, right, or a month. But yeah, it was a percentage. So that way, you wouldn't just run off because he was holding your money. He was trying to find some way to keep the business together. Right. But as I said, I didn't realize. 
starting, like when you're saying you notice people starting to leave the territory. So what can you do? Remember, like, like one of the first couple to go to, like, oh, they're not in taping this week. Like, right, I think it was uh, Jake Roberts first. Jake Snake Roberts. Okay. I believe it was him. I know um, Doug and Jim Duggan went. I'm really sick. 
he's serious about this. He said, I really want you to talk to him. So at that point, I said, okay, because I, I didn't want to dance anymore. I just, I couldn't stand the people, the lifestyle. Uh, I just wanted out. You right. Know? And, this, so, and this was kind of a way out. Yeah, it was a way out. So I'm like, okay, let me look to the next thing. So um, he actually came over and talked with me because the family I had then was my roommate and my boyfriend. So he actually sat down with Dick Slater. Dick Slater. Yeah, okay. With me and my boyfriend and my roommate, and talked about what he had, had planned and a little bit about the concept. But he basically never said too much because he was always in control. Right. His idea is whatever, so he's controlling it. Um, now, right there, were you what they called him as a smart at that point? Were you? Did you think that uh, that wrestling? I mean, I mean. What they do, what they say is they spark you up, meaning that they kind of let you know after some trust has been developed uh, to kind of spark you up about what's really going on. At that point, before he sat down and talked to you, did you think that the professor resident was 100% legitimate sporting contest? I thought the world was 100% legitimate. It's, <laughs> it's too funny because I don't know. He didn't really smarten me up. I just started to figure it out. I think that some people that we would come in contact with, Dick and I, would still talk the kayfabe around me. Okay. And then he'd have to say, oh, she's smart. So that they would cut out that lingo and just talk English, and then I would hear what was going on. Okay, okay. we, we got to talk about that because that, that, for me, is endlessly in this asshole behind me here. <laughs> Keep in mind, folks, I am driving... <laughs> And on, you know, you the old thing about Sunday drivers. It's a Sunday in California, uh, and I'm trying to keep us alive here so you guys can, this, uh, this ends well, not badly. Um, okay, so that's what I mean. Okay, so talk about that. So if they were around somebody, which they would call a mark, right? Uh, no, not even a mark. Another wrestler, wrestler in, the, in the business. No, I'm, I'm saying like, like, like before they were around somebody else that was, that was smart, I'm saying... How would they talk? Like, like, like you're smart. They're smart, but they're around a third person that's right. not. They what, would, what would they, they would do? Well, it's called kayfabe. Right. right. They would actually talk plain English, and then if there was something they needed to get across in communication that was none of the fans or Mark's business, they would talk. I, I guess it's a type of carny. Right. Right. So they would just start talking carny, so that the fan would get what they were okay. trying to convey at that moment. And, and then how would, how would they let, let's say that you didn't know somebody was smart, how would they communicate that to you? How would they just say? They would say it in Carney. They, 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 they would just say, hey, we can talk to this person now. I'm like, hey, you don't have to do that. Right, exactly. Okay, right, so right. they would just be, be cool about it. Okay. Right. All right, okay, so now, so at what point did he, so never did he point at anybody just sit you down and, and say, okay, this is how it is. You learned it on your own. I Where you were like, uh, oh, 
turn there? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember an epiphany. Um, all of a sudden, getting it. I, I was always getting it. So it's like I think what stands out for me is when I went baby face. Now, when I was heel, it was spit and beers and open fires and punching. You know, punching me. And then the minute I went baby face, it was like hands all over me. So I remember coming back to the dressing room the first time I came out as a baby face, and it was uh, Terry Taylor and some other guys in the room. And I was like, what is this? Everybody's groping me. Even the women are groping me. <laughs> and Terry Taylor looks, and he goes, oh, TJ's never been a baby face before. He goes, that's what it is. They start touching you then, groping you physically. And they think that they can. Now, and, and, and back then, they actually, when I say could, I don't mean from a legal standpoint. I mean that... The, the, the hallway to get from the backstage to the rink was very thin. It wasn't, it was not a lot of separation between audience and performer. Right. right on good days or good shows, you had security. They would create a barrier around you. I remember some times when the barrier wasn't so right. well put orchestrated or put together. And if you swear at them or you get mad and tell them how you do your job, security would just slap in your face and let you get beat down out there. Oh, my gosh. Right. Okay. So you learn not to, you know, just take what you can get. But even if there wasn't a human security detail, as it were, okay? Right. Um, there was, like, if you were just walking, there was literally just like a string there, right? Yeah, like wall to wall people, you're trying to uh, put one arm out and open, uh, you know, a, a gateway of people as you go through, and you're just being groped. Right. So, whereas now they have, you know, a very yeah, yeah, re- yeah, the ropes on both sides and barricades, and, and, and it's like it's very wide. I mean, you can drive a truck. You can help. Right, but you know, Stone Coast really Austin drove a truck to there. <laughs> right, but you're talking about some of the, the spot shows as small. Shows. Right, right, sure, sure. Where you're just walking to a crowd of people trying to get to uh, a ring. There's no security, and you're just on your own. Just going there, do the show, get out. I, that's another terminology. Oh, I missed that. In 215 South. Did I, did I miss it here? San Diego. Okay, 215. Tell me 215 South. Yeah, okay, okay got okay. it. Okay. Um, so, okay, so that's another terminology that you don't see as, as much anymore. As you said, spot show. So talk a little bit about the schedule back then. For for you, you guys would do, of course, TV tapings, and then you would do spot shows. So what was your what was the schedule for you? Um, it was every day on the road. There was a day. I don't think we hardly ever got two days off, and that was rare. I mean, we're talking talk about it geographically. Like, well, like, yeah, I was, I was just going to say. Yeah. So every day I was in a different state. Every, every day. Oh, so there were God. days where... I would have, I'd finish up a show that night and I'd have the next day off, but then the following day I had to be in another state. So why am I going to fly all the way back to Louisiana to fly out again to Arkansas or I don't know, somewhere? And the territory, the territory was, what was it? It was parts of Texas, it was uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, yeah. a little bit of Missouri, and a little bit of Oklahoma, right? Kansas. Okay. And that was, that was Mid-South. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you were in Mid-South from it. You said, for, and then you went to world class, right? To work, work for Fritz von Erich. Uh, no, Jim Crockett. Oh, it was still okay. okay so, 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 it was Crockett and Turner. Oh, Crockett and Turner. Okay, so, but, but you, you were on the world class program, were you? With the von Erichs and Fritz? No, that you were not. Okay, you went. That's right. You went to Atlanta. 
Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Omni and all that there, right? Yeah. The days of, so, obviously, so did you ever get a chance? You Obviously, you worked with Ric Flair and, and everything else. Yeah, Kelly Blanchard and the Four Horsemen. Yeah. J.J. Dillon. That's, that's right, exactly. So, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to tell a great Ric Flair story. Well, there was this one night when it seemed like every guy was banging on my door, and I met the the, the talent. Right. Okay. It's like Telly's banging on my front door, and I just have to get him away. And then there's somebody banging on my slider. We were in Miami, and then I opened it. Stan, and I had to get rid of him. And <laughs> Stan from the Fantastics? Uh, no, 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 no. Stan Hansen. And you just kept your mouth shut. 
work. Yeah, but it doesn't really seem like your personality. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, I, you know, things like that, they, they, they're hurtful, you know, and then right. it's to the point where I show up on the side of the ring and be where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there, and then Telly's not going to use me. He's going to, like, you know, strut around and do his, his thing and shine, but not work the gimmick. It's like a Sonny and Cher thing. Cher might have been starting to get more yays than, than Sonny. Well, Sonny could work the gimmick. He's going to work the gimmick as long as he can because right. she's all he has. It's like work the gimmick. Well, the gimmick wasn't working, so there came a time where they had to let me go. And J.J. Dillon um, came to me. They, you know, I guess Crocker, they asked him to talk, or Dusty asked him to talk. Right. And they basically said, we're going to finish you up in, um, I think it was Miami or something. That's going to be the last show. So, um, you know, I just wrote J.J. Dillon a note after that. I remember that night I went back to my, my room and wrote a note. And I was just kind of pouring my heart out. I was actually thanking him for letting me go because I told him that there's somebody else that wants this job more than I do. But, know, but him not to feel bad. Well, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, I mean, but were you were you devastated or were you ready to go? I think yeah, I was waiting for him to get asked. You know, I was like, please somebody stop the bleeding. Right. I didn't okay. know. I didn't. I didn't have any plans or exit plans. It was just like I was waiting. I was well, it's hard to make other plans. You know, I'm like, well, understand that when you're in that bubble and in that on that hamster wheel, it's hard to like have an exit strategy because you're you can't make plans or because it was like you had the internet. You could just you know sit in the backstage and look up bartending school or something. Right. You know? Right. Well, you know, you before know? that, before I went with Crockett. Um, when Bill Watts sold my contract to Crockett, um, there was a period of time that that was just a conversation. Nobody called me, no one contacted me, and a few weeks went by, and I was kind of scrambling to find a job. So I'm not sure how it came back, but either I, I had I got an appointment with WWF at the time. Okay. And, oh, okay. Uh, okay. So after you you finished up with Crockett and no, yeah, with Bill Watts. With Bill Watts, I'm sorry. Selling. Contract to Crockett. Right, okay, but, but whenever the, the, the moment you had it with J.J. Dillon in Miami, you weren't done with the business. You you were going to go to WWF? No. Oh, no. okay, okay. Yeah, the so, moment Bill Watts sold my contract. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You no, went, yeah. Um, Crockett never called. The office never called. J.J. Dillon never called. And a few weeks went by, and, I, and I'm scrambling trying to figure out what's going on. I, I thought right. I had a contract. I, you know, nobody's talking to me. I couldn't get any information. So I got an interview with New York, and they flew me out okay. in between Watts and Crockett. Okay, now how, now how did you get the, inter- the interview with me? You know, I don't know. I might have called them. I don't I don't remember. Um, I, you remember who you spoke with up there? When, oh, yeah. It was the Vince McMahon and another gentleman. I don't know. Okay, so you didn't meet with Vince? Yes. Okay, and what was what was your impression of Vince at that time? Uh, they were very pleasant, very Dusty Rhodes, and of course, like I said, you know, I 
we uh, we just lost Dusty, which is still unbelievable to think about. Uh, talk a little bit about that. What was what was what are your memories of, of Dusty Rhodes? Um, he seemed like a really really good guy. Um, I remember uh, New York. It didn't it didn't go through. They basically wanted to train me to wrestle, like see me down to Moolah and train me to physically wrestle, and I was like, but I just want to be a character. So they said to keep them in mind. So it sounds like I just got to talk myself out of the job. So I'm like, where am I going to go? Oh, okay. So, so if, if you had been willing to go down to, what was it, Louisville? Is that where, where, right, yeah. Okay. Then I, they would have kept me. They, they wanted me. Right. So, uh, like I said, I talked myself out of a job. And so then I, I went down to Florida where Crockett was having a show. And J.J. Dillon was there. And I went and asked somebody to get J.J. for me. And J.J. came and I um, explained that I had talked to Crockett a few days before. And Crockett got mad at me on the phone. I'll tell you about that later. Okay. But um, I said... I. I, I wanted. I needed to do TV. I said I've been sitting around doing nothing. And Jake, I'm sorry, uh, Dusty said we'll show up for TV next Tuesday. Forget about Crockett. Don't even pay attention to him. Basically, he was just, like, <laughs> just show up. It doesn't matter. I'm doing the booking. Just show up. So that's how I got with Crockett. Uh, okay. So so Dusty was actually the one that, that, that booked you. Up. So Dusty right. was the. So many people I talked to talk about just what an amazing person Dusty Rhodes was, and yeah, and, yeah. and how instrumental he was to their careers. He seemed lighthearted, you know. He's right. a business kid, man. Matter of fact, but he just seemed lighthearted. You could joke with him. You could talk to him, uh, you know, openly or honestly. Can you do a Dusty like Rhodes that? impression? No. Because <laughs> everybody thought they'd always do the. Uh, Let me taste something, baby. Let me taste something, baby. Yeah. You know, I can't do it, but yeah, uh, but no, uh, they always they always do it pretty yeah. good. Because you know, and I don't know if you know this or not, but his uh, his last act here, he was working uh, in NXT, which is the developmental program for WWE. Okay, which has their own televised program now, which is essentially a third brand now uh, with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and and so he was really in touch and was working every day directly with the young talent there, and uh, they're trying to. So now I want to get a little bit of this. So now 
like I said, we're headed towards Freak Show Wrestling. Are you excited to see Freak Show Wrestling? Absolutely. I watched a, a short little clip, and I saw Santa Claus running into the turnbuckle. <laughs> I just was hysterical. I just giggled like a little kid. Yes. So I've I, not seen one at all. I, I don't really know anything about it, but it looks like a lot of fun characters. Yes. And I'm, I'm really excited about going. I think it's fun. Well, I wanted Crazy to, fun. I wanted to fill those in a little bit on that, too. So here's, here's the thing. Was it, okay, so after you and I met, at the Mid-South reunion at during WrestleMania week in New Orleans, which again was not that successful. Uh, you know, I think at a place that held like 2,000, I think less than 200 showed up, unfortunately. Um, and but it was so great, like you know, uh, uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Express was still jumping off the top rope, uh, yeah. and, and Elijah Burke did that great tribute to JYD and all that. But maybe you don't even know this. Uh, what I'm getting at is this is a, you know I was we were talking about the the kaiju crazy thing. Do you know that like it happened the show that right. all those pictures it <laughs> happened that night at twelve o'clock yeah at midnight yeah right. like when like right after I left talking to you that's where we went. I saw some crazy characters posted and I was like what is this and then I saw a picture of a waffle yeah the awful on waffle the side of the <laughs> tag and I was like yeah okay. and then and then the cup of noodles and all that. Uh, and yeah. so, so for our listeners, so after I met you and we connected, and I was posting pictures from the Kaiju big battle thing there in Tulane University, uh, you were like, very, I've got to go. You were very responsive, <laughs> and so I've been trying to get you, uh, or we've been trying to get together since then, and it's not Kaiju, but I think, uh, and all, all apologies and all respect to Kaiju, <laughs> is that this is going to be so much better because I was out here here, here in. April when, like I said, and I saw it, uh, and oh my gosh, it's just one of the best things ever. It was so fun and funny, because it was, it's fun with the elements of Kaiju, but it's just not as, like, I can't say it's not as ridiculous, but it just, it's, even the word legitimate seems weird, but uh, I don't know, there's just something about it that just was far easier uh, to get into, and, uh, and and far less easy to dismiss entirely. Like, like Kaju, great, fun, awesome, but pretty easy to, to dismiss as a whole. Uh, where the show that I saw in April with Freak Show Wrestling was just, I've been talking about it ever since, so I'm so excited that we, uh, and this to show you how much I wanted us to do this, is that we were willing to trek all the way out to Hemet, California, a city I previously had never even heard of, uh, and you live, in, you live in California for most of your life. Yeah, for most of my life. And have you ever heard of Hemet, California before? Yes, I have. I've heard of Hemet um, on my way. Where does it go? Big Bear? Or what is that? On the other side is Palm Springs. So this is, what is this? I guess it is. West. I guess it is. South, I'm sorry. East. South, isn't it? Of Palm Springs. Yeah. Because I've obviously spent you know, time in Palm Springs. It snows and, out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So now, so what are what are you hoping to see here with Freak Show Wrestling? Well, I, I'm just really interested in the different type of characters that will show. I don't know, is that what you call them? Uh, yeah, the, the yeah. But there's some, there, there's some great, legitimate. You're going to see a lot of a lot ad- of creativity. Yeah, but you're and also what stories and guidelines they have. What are what, what are they doing? Well, you're also going to see a lot of athleticism. I mean, I mean it, it's it's again, it is really fun and funny, and it's like vaudeville. But there is a you're going to see a lot of great athletes today. Like I said, it's run by uh, Sid Bodie and, and, uh, and his uh, his girlfriend Karen, who are both awesome, awesome people. Uh, and I was so excited that they were they invited us out. 
um, in April and was so happy to accept and return the invitation. So, um, now getting back to, so after you wrapped up in Miami, what, what was, what was next for you in terms of like, like, did you, cause you said you were, weren't really interested in going to another promotion. You were kind of done. Right. Well, you know, with New York, you know, I, you know, it was, I think about it now and maybe it was a, a time or opportunity for me to call them back, but I didn't even think about it. I think it was just time for me to exit and just, you know, go on to the next level. And did, so, so did you ever, did you ever hear from, from the WWF ever again? No. no. Okay. And so, and, and because you weren't willing to, or were you, were you not willing to be a wrestler? Did you not want that at all? Yeah. I just wanted to be a, a character. I didn't really see myself drop kicking, you know, other right. ladies in the chest, which, you know, I, I was what, 27 at that time. I okay. was perfectly physically able to, I just didn't see that. I saw myself as a manager. Okay. In that capacity. And, and so after they didn't, call back. Did you ever try to get a job back in wrestling ever again with anybody else? No. From from that interview with them, I went with um, Crockett. No, I'm saying... I'm, I'm, well, with Crockett. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, like, like, I'm trying to give people an idea of what your life has no, been I've like. I've done a show here and there, you know, just show up okay. and bring someone to the ring. Uh, but I haven't done any, anything in the ring, like all the tumbling and bumps I used to right. take with um, Missy. And there was Maxine, uh, Sunshine, um, yeah, you know those girls. So, 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 yeah. So, I was asking. So, what are what were some of your favorite people to work with back then in terms of you just had a, a good chemistry and camaraderie with? Well, personally, outside the ring, I, I didn't uh, spend any time with anyone. I think the only time I spent with any of the female uh, artists was with uh, Nicola. At that time, she was with uh, Sam Houston. And I remember I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I hurt my back. Um, and I, you know, we were sharing a room at that time. So that was about the only time I really spent any time with anybody. I was just kind of a, a loner, so I nope. just kind of did my own thing. But what about inside the ring? Is what inside I mean. Inside the ring, yeah. I uh, really enjoyed working with Sunshine. Okay. If you watch, there's not much, but if you if you you know check it out on YouTube, there's a couple things, and I'm watching her work. I'm watching her physical action. She threw me in the cage and she's jerking my head. And I was like, wow, she really looks like she's hurting me. Yeah. <laughs> and there were some times in the rings, uh, the ring where we did some things and uh, she was a really good worker. I, I like I like how she worked. What what were the what were the fans like in terms of like when you would do these spot shows and everything else? Would you would you think they were more fanatical because for a lot of them this was the only entertainment that they had? Yeah, that that was when it was real. <laughs> Any great fan stories to share with us? Oh my god, they would try to climb in the ring with their their walkers, and we'd have to get them off the ringside. I mean, they were just—I mean, veins popping out of their neck. They're so angry. Um, one time, I, I was doing a show, and the Gucci bag from Missy Hyatt was supposed to go down, and then she's supposed to grab it, I'm supposed to grab it, and then I get it, and then I hit her with the bag because the bag is loaded with a brick. So everyone knows from the television angle that. The bags loaded with the brick. They see the angle on TV. Right. What was it really? What was really in the, in the purse? I don't know, maybe her personal belongings. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really, well, actually, I don't think any personal belongings were in there. They may have been, but this is what makes me think it wasn't because there was this one time the bag goes down and I'm supposed to get the bag. You know, my guy, you 
side is backing up into the corner because she knows I'm going to come at her with the bag. And I look at Fergie, the referee, and I say, where's the bag? He goes, I don't know. And then I go, what do I do? He goes, take your shoe off. <laughs> so I take my shoe off and I turn the heel around, you know, so that I'm not, you know, hitting her and, you know, with the heel. And uh, I hit her with the soft spot of the shoe and she goes down. So the, the match finishes up. I go back to the dressing room and this, this guy comes by the dressing room and he works for the, the building. He says, DJ, he said, um, I just got fired. And I said, oh, he says, yeah. He said, you know what? He said, that Gucci bag, I knew she was going to hit you with that bag. So I grabbed the bag and I threw it under the ring. He said, I was all I was trying to do was help you. And they fired me. And oh. I didn't know what to say to the guy. I felt horrible. I couldn't. I couldn't smarten them up to the business. I was just like, but, that's terrible. That, that is a terrible way. But here's the thing else, and I'm not saying I'm so smart and others, whatever, but I mean, I have a poor kid from Little Rock, Arkansas, and at age nine, <laughs> I knew that what I was watching wasn't 100% on the Wrestling level. entertainment. Yeah. So that's why whenever I hear stuff like that, it's so, because even though, I mean, I rooted and cheered and, and sure, I actually thought people were probably getting hurt and yeah. I definitely believed in, you know, the storyline, but I also knew that what I was watching was not 100% on the level. Okay, and so it's so odd to me to see these grown people climbing into the ring as if what they're watching is actually right. real. Some people have, you know, have different levels of consciousness, and some people never wake up. So I was waking up the whole while I was in wrestling. No, but it seems like it would be part of the human experience to watch a wrestling program and kind of go, okay, like this is fun, but this is clearly entertainment. Right. Uh, great athleticism. Yeah. So he didn't get it at all. You know, and he lost how, his how, job behind how, him. How old was he? He had to be in his 40s. <gasps> so this wasn't like some kid. No, this was like, was, oh, he was a guy that worked God. for the, the building. And what, what city was this in? Like Mississippi or somewhere. Oh, yeah. See, I was going to say, like, <laughs> it, it's such low-hanging fruit to, to, yeah. to, to pick on Mississippi. But to, uh, to the security guard in, in 1986, you would what say? It? it was a Coliseum barn or Yes. Um, I, I, 
was excited. It was like, you know, taking me back to, you know, when I was young or, yeah. you know. It, it's just I wanted to be, it, especially it was a uh, reunion. So when I got together with the people that were there, it was actually like, you know, a high school reunion. Because when I was on the road working with them, we only had each other. And it was like, we were, that was the family you had. Yes, right. So And, and so I, I just mean that, like, you know, you weren't interested in working in wrestling anymore after Miami. But I guess enough time had gone by where you had missed, you know, yeah, that did. feeling. You'd missed those people or something. Yeah, you know? I did one show. Oh, gosh. I was in my 40s. I'm in my 50s now. Um, and uh, let's see. Chris Smith. And Sam Houston was there. Jake was supposed to be there, but he didn't show up for that. And Grizzly Smith being Jake's father, right? Yeah, yeah Jake's right, okay. Grizzly Smith, yeah. Um, so I did that show. Um, that was like once in, I don't know, 20 years or something. And then um, the reunion. So now I'm kind of out the box, uh, being creative. Yeah. And I'm, I'm enjoying getting back into it, so. And, and so, so far, you did the Mid-South thing, and you did this, you said you did your first convention. Yes. And where you filmed a DVD. And yes. Then, and then now, uh, now you've made it big time, because now you're on Tricky Kid Radio. <laughs> Who knows what I'm going to do next? It, well, well it, it, it's only downhill from here. <laughs> you know, I, I look at it this way. No, it's not. I, I know. <laughs> I, I say... You know, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. You know, it's like I never got out of it, you know, because I still did little small things, you know, here and there. So I'm still in it. So who knows what I'm up to next, right? Right. Keeping my creative side open. Uh, well, so what, what would you like to do? I mean, what, I mean, like, uh, you know, like, look, so like WrestleMania is finally coming to Dallas and that whole week there'll be a whole week of WrestleMania events. Are you planning on participating? Have you received any offers? Or is there anything no, going on yet? Nothing like that. Um, I really didn't follow wrestling. I just saw little glimpses here and there. In the no, no. What, what, what I mean is, do you know of anything that's going to be happening during WrestleMania week in Dallas this year that they're already planning on that they've asked you to be a part of? No. Okay. No, no, no. no okay. No, no, no. So I don't, I don't follow follow it. So Okay. You know. Well, I mean, you didn't follow it whenever they offered you the WrestleMania gig, is what I'm saying, or the uh, Mid-South gig. I might have been watching it a little bit then because everybody was kind of interested in what was going on. That's when, um, as they say, Vince exposed the business or how they put it that way. But, you know, some people already knew, some didn't know, but he, you know, he said it was wrestling entertainment. Uh, right, okay. I guess, okay, to be clear, here's what I'm saying, okay? Mm -hmm. All right. You're sitting on your couch. It's 2014. Matt Rivera calls you, okay? Yeah. All right. That's what I'm getting at. Okay, you, were you watching wrestling at that point? No. Okay. No. So it didn't require you to watch in order to get that call. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Okay. You're not watching now. So what? That's why I'm asking. So is there a? Have you received any calls this year? No, just you know the one from the reunion. Okay. That was that. That's and it. do you think? And so you think that we'll ever see a Mid South reunion again, or I think that was probably it. I don't know. I don't know. I have an idea. Actually, I'm really excited about seeing this this evening, you know, the Freak Show Wrestling. Right. Because I do have an idea. In every interview I've done so far, and I'm just telling you this, and obviously I'm telling you this. Right, right. <laughs> um, I, I talk about what I do now for my life, you know, in my, in my work, my workplace. But um, I kind of have an idea and a concept, and I want to get it filmed. And I'd like to present it, whether it's New York or somebody else. And, I, and it's almost... It reminds me of what we're about to go see. I think it's a very funny concept, and either it'll fly or die. So um, I may have something up 
Oh, up your hill yeah. see the, okay. And it's wrestling. Okay, all right. Well, then our listeners will have to stay tuned here. She's giving me the old chuck on the shoulder. So that means that, uh, that she, uh, as the microphone goes flying, at least it wasn't water, right? Yeah. Okay, and then we're going to take a right on Brandon Way. So this is Brandon here. This is someone's house. Or <laughs> so we're just about to pull up here to, uh, to Freak Show Wrestling. Let's see here, and then it says Rafferty. Turn left on Rafferty Way. Uh, so we're, we're it looks like we're almost here to. Uh, okay, so here's Rafferty here. So, uh, so this looks like this big building over here is it. So after we get inside, like they're not leaving, are they? No, they're not leaving. It's just the crowd. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the show's in there, so what are they yeah. doing? Oh, well, they're just out in the back. Oh, trying to meet the folks and get the show together. Okay. Yeah, that's All right, so here we are. So we'll be back right after this. Okay, so that was uh, part one of uh, the Dark Journey to Quick Show Wrestling with Dark Journey. This is the intermission portion, just for a few minutes here to let you catch your breath here. And uh, I also wanted to, to play some music here. I was trying to think of, of, a, of a song, something that had the word journey in it, of course, kind of like Captain Novius, um, something about a girl. Uh, something that would kind of fit the punk rock spirit of what we were doing and, and the punk rock spirit of freak show wrestling and all of that. And just the whole absurdist nature. And uh, gosh, is there, uh, the answer is obviously clear that it would have to be uh, the cramps as a journey to the center of a girl. <laughs> uh, one of my first concerts was uh, seeing the cramps um, back in 1989, 90, actually on the tour. Uh, that this from the album that this song comes from, which is an album called Stay Sick. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so enjoy uh, the Cramps' journey to the center of a girl and get yourself ready after that for part two, because part two is, uh, you know, now we've arrived and uh, now she has seen it. Uh, we have seen the Freak Show Wrestling Show and this will be uh, the fun reaction part to it. So again, uh, kick back, uh, enjoy a little bit of a... Uh, uh, a little bit of punk rock here and uh, and get ready for part two with Dark Journeys, with Dark Journey to Freak Show Wrestling in uh, Hemet, California.
Mercedes uh, that uh, was a valley manager to Missing Link, Dick Slater, and you're listening to Dark Journey to Freak Show Wrestling with Dark Journey. And we just got out of the show, and DJ, what did you think? Um, I thought it was if there was something, I could, if I had never gotten into wrestling and I hadn't happened to wander into one of those shows, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so me, it was so much fun. I found myself like getting into it right away. I was like, "What is really thinking?" Oh my gosh, because <laughs> I'm a freak. But I was like, right at home. I mean, if it's a Great. place and you can go yell at the characters and, and make fun and have a great time, it, it was it was just a lot of fun. And some of the the stuff that they come up with it was just amazing. It was just so much. Like, I'm not sorry, it's not negative. It's so much stupid fun. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of the idea. It's just absurd. Yeah. It's 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 a, a celebration of absurdity. Yeah, okay? like the nerd he brought his easel in, and people are yeah. like, "Oh yeah, you got to sign your name or write your name before you can tag team or whatever." It's just so <laughs> crazy, and then one guy gets smashed with the easel, and it's just too funny. It's yeah, too but, funny. I mean, but wasn't it great because you got to enjoy all the elements that somebody would enjoy a wrestling show: athleticism, uh, pageantry. But we also laughed a lot tonight, didn't we? Absolutely. You know, one thing I noticed is you got the plot and the story right there on the mat as it was unfolding. You yeah. didn't have to go home and watch a couple, you know, shows during the week and, 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 and kind of find out. Time yeah. Yeah, comes and watch next week for the finish. It was like everything unfolded there. It so, was self-contained, yeah, right? Right. But you really had to watch the story the guidelines and just watch it unfold in the finish. Right. So it was a lot of fun. I was describing it to Sin, Sin Bodie that throws it. Uh, he is in like a comic strip, but not a, like a Sunday we saw was uh, He-Man versus Skeletor. Yes, we walked in. I remember that. It was too funny. And then, of course, you like you mentioned about the nerd, uh, and it was the nerd versus... Uh, you kept saying her name, Nurse... Uh, oh, Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, she's hideous, she's beautiful. What is that? A man or woman, a ship? What is that? And we never we never got confirmation about that, did we? <laughs> I saw her hair off Perry Belly. <laughs> so, so, so maybe that's a confirmation that we I, need I don't, right I don't know. I mean, it could have been a woman. I don't know. But she was good. She was really good. She had the hypodermic needle. She's running around trying to get people. That's the part that made me laugh the most was when she injected the nerd with... By accident, right. What she was going to inject herself with. Right, but then he hulks up and wins the match. I mean, so fun and funny and ridiculous and absurd. And even having, you know, you think about if you go into a WWE show, you don't hear the announcer. Think about that. The one that was on the side of the ring. No, I mean, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like, like, let's compare okay. what you just saw. Right. If we went to a, I mean, like, okay, like tomorrow night, I'll be flying back to Dallas, and the minute that I land, Jessica will be picking me up, and we're going to Monday Night Raw tomorrow oh, night in wow. Dallas. Okay. Love Dallas. Exactly. Okay. So listen. So tomorrow night at that show, I will be hearing a live announcer. Got it. Okay. And so, you know, so think about it. So all the shows that you did in the 80s, yeah. there was no live announcer. What did you think oh, about? Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, the girl right, that right, was right. walking around? Right. And okay. the, the and uh, kind of, you know, kind of like going doing, along with the match. And, a know, running kind of commentary, yeah, right. Kind of what did you think about that? Um, I, 
I thought it was uh, unique. Like I said, we didn't have to wait. She was announcing everything and kind of like playing along with yeah. what was happening in the ring. So I thought that was different. Well, because I remember as a kid, and even to this day, when I I don't go to wrestling live events that often. I mean, I go to several a year, but it's just funny how you're used to watching wrestling on television. Right. Okay. And and what carries the match, of course, is the announce team. And whenever you go to a wrestling, live wrestling event, you don't hear the announcer. And it always throws me. Okay. Yeah. And I'm always like, huh, oh yeah, okay. You know, and so I found that having that is, especially in an environment like that, is almost... Well, I think it's almost crucial. It's almost like mandatory. A live commentator, someone that's, yeah. you know, kind of telling the storyline, assessing our as right. um, kind of helping along with the storyline, yeah. introducing things that are coming, and kind of like M- 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 C- funny. Right, right. Right. Okay, so what else? What else do you remember? So, uh, let me see. Where are we? The, the nerd and the nurse ratchet. Oh, my gosh. Nurse, nurse ratchet. Okay. Uh, well, then there was, of course, there was the the chicken, and you and I, you and I had a little bit of a debate about that. They introduced that chicken as something else. But you can give, you can say whatever you want on this on this podcast. So. Chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy in front of me kept yelling, "Hey, chicken, you ain't shit!" And then I look, and he had a little daughter next to him. So I'm thinking, yes. okay, it's a family show. And then they said it was a family show. But then later, some other stuff happened. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So talk about that. So what was the thing that really confused you if you thought it was a family show or not? Well, the commentator, and I, I, no, you know, we're going to go back and forth about this. You know, right. I don't know. Stuff. Was it recorded? The, the, I believe the introduction was chicken shit, or they said something about They might have said chicken something, and then... No, what I was alluding to was there was something that happened... Uh, there was a different character for a next match that came out that oh. that made you turn to me and say, "I this thought you family said, show. I thought you said this was a family show." Talking about the gay Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and what was gay Hitler wearing when oh he came out? Oh my gosh, this, this guy had like the little Nazi mustache, but he had like pink leotards, and 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 they had like rainbow leg warnings. But him himself, just like what was it, the the, the, what was the, the, the tag team, what I'm thinking about, with the spikes. The road warriors. The road warriors. Okay. Instead of the spikes, there were dildos hanging on the spikes. Pads. Oh, and oh my the God. gay Hitler. And he came out. And I'm like, hey, you said this was a family show. Right. Okay. <laughs> what do you tell your kid? Oh, yeah, honey, yeah. How do you explain what those Daddy are? puts that on his shoulders. And that was a lot, because this is only the second time I've seen Freak Show Wrestling, and that was yeah. above and beyond uh, <laughs> that. And those are going to top themselves, because we, if we saw an advertisement, the next show is going to be what was it, Black Santa versus Zombie Jesus? Or oh, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll have to mention that at the end of the show. In December. Uh, okay, and also remember how with the Nerd Match, that they kind of did a, a spoof of the famous Mick Foley being dropped on thumbtacks. They dropped him on Nerd's Candy. Nerd's Candy, I know. And uh, I, I, I even got a little crowd pop of my own when I said, I go, man, if those had been Whoppers, he would have been dead. I got my own little, little, little crowd pop out of that. That was pretty funny. 
Um, so okay, so there was gay Hitler, and then the main, and then the, the main, the main event was uh, not a freak show wrestling original. There were two uh, uh, legends of the ring. Who do you remember the main event? Uh, the main event was um, your Sid. Butt. No, no, no. Oh, where were we? Where are we with Sid? Was it? Okay. Was well. The you're right. So before we, obviously, before we get to the main event, there was, of course, the man that the hour to throw it. Uh, I actually have my own mic, maybe I'm good. And, okay. uh, and, uh, and uh, but thank you. Um, and it was Sid Bodie, of course, that throws it. And he was facing. Andrea the Giant. Yeah, and in a in uh, a intergender yeah, yeah an intergender match with uh, Andrea the Giant, who was awesome. Right. Every time they had that that what was it the the tangle music? Uh, no, they it, could be in the middle of like a brawl, and also the tangle music would play. It was they actually had the tango. Well, yeah, yeah, and they, oh yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they did have the tango, didn't they? <laughs> I kept waiting for the tango. I kept waiting for her to get the one, two, three, or him to get the one, two, three, and then the tango music would play, and then they would start tangoing, and then maybe, you know, foil the, 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 the one, two, three, but it never happened, and she got the one, two, three on scene. Yeah, she did win, so sorry for the spoiler alert, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but when, when are you going to go to a wrestling match where you're going to see a man versus woman in a very capable, even Steven capacity, and then, not only that, but did she, not only did she win, he, you know, she got over, but also, which is awesome, but also, I thought that was so funny that when are you going to see them suddenly stop wrestling and start dancing? Dancing, right. And, and it was kind of like a satire, it was too funny, because yeah. it was like a split second, the music and they forget what they were doing. It's like they were hypnotized. And they had the <laughs> By tango, the music. Right, hypnotized. Yeah. Oh, and, and who can forget the probably the best uh, fan interaction uh, thing was the anti-gravity match. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. In oh the history gosh. of wrestling, has there ever been, <laughs> and I think that the guy that does it, I forget his name, but I think that he was part of war. Or I think he might have also been a part of Jim Rose's Circus Sideshow. I, forgive me if you're listening, that I, that I, but I, I will get your name correctly, I promise. Uh, but he was so awesome where he came out and he built an anti-gravity Gravity machine. machine. I remember. That's funny. I, you know, and all then, these blocks. And talk about how, how they got So describe to our listeners okay. how he got the, the audience involved with the anti-gravity machine. Right. Wherever in entertainment or bombs are Up and everything to, to do the you know because if you said 
pull the gravity that way. It was a genius way to get the crowd involved. Yeah, involved. Yeah, you know? Anticipation. Yeah. Uh, okay, so again, again, I said there was so there was a sin body, then the anti gravity match, and besides the main event, there was there was one more, right? Uh, it seems like there, oh oh there was the the, uh, the luchador match. There was there was a, a somebody. Oh yeah, the, uh, Stink Floyd. Stink Floyd. <laughs> oh my goodness, he cleared the whole ring. And, and we're going to talk about the sound effects that they had. Well, you know, he just uh, he turned his tail towards something. I don't know, any, anybody in the ring, and, and the whole ring, you know, the, the, even people with him, they ran out right. of the ring and they were sitting down there with us. So, yeah, Stink Floyd. That was funny and very cute that at certain points when he gets somebody to turn buckle, he would turn around and the sound effects would come out. So, <laughs> it would stink him up. But can, they'd can ask you? some of the kids, hey, you want to come in there with me? Sure. Um, it, 
table up on the website for Freak Show Wrestling where they do these triple backflips and they land on the outside of the ring from inside. I don't yeah. even know how they do some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they do still take bumps and uh, it's not just a full-on it's comedy show. It's progressive, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's phys- physically progressive now. Right. And, yeah, I, I never saw any of the moves that they do. And, you know, and even a smaller show like this, there was still a lot of, you know, obviously the show that I saw in Hollywood uh, in April, it had this whole alien invasion theme. And I mean, it was crazy. Like, Milo Brown was there. Like, 30 people stormed the ring, all dressed in Star Trek outfits. And there was this giant, like, it was really, really, really crazy. Speaking of snakes, you saw... Uh, Sin. You saw Sim come, out, come out, come out with the snake. I have no idea. Well, of course, as I was mentioning to you, of course, he's Jake the Snake's protege, so it's kind of a nod there to Jake and uh, and everything else. So, but now, ultimately, would you see it again? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I just Yeah. No, I would see it again. Now, here's something else that I really like about shows like that also, is that talk a little bit about what happened after the show ended as compared to something that would it won't be happening when I go to Raw tomorrow night in Dallas. Well, I'm not sure what will happen tomorrow night in Dallas or what happens after the show, but I'm just going to take it back to when I was on the road. Um, once we finished the show, we were out the door. We didn't hang around. We right. were gone. So if you were the first, second, third car, you were on the road and back to your, your state or wherever you live. Right. Uh, these guys were there to the end. I was really, really surprised. But I was also thinking, what a great, um, you know, like, camaraderie. What a, a great thing that, you know, whether they liked it or not, if they stood there to the end, watched every match, and, and stood there for the people after to take pictures, that's a, that's a better show that people want to beat it out because of their own thing. That's right. That's um, right. Now, now, real fast, didn't I think Bill Watts have a rule? Because you say that, like, if you were the first or second match after you were done, you were in the car and out the door. But I thought that there was a period where he made everybody stay until the end in case he needed them for something to like roll a run. in on the end. Yeah, like they had a match that one. Oh, would you run in or something? Right. Like so, so which is it? So, I mean, were you able to leave or? Or did he make you stay to the end? You know, that may have changed, but it was something that I didn't recognize, and okay. it, it didn't affect me. Okay. So, what I remember last is, the guys would be out of there. They're, they're out. They, 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 they would be yeah. there to be gone. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not that they really didn't want to watch the finish or the match or how it went. I mean, there was a part of them that wanted to, to do that and watch it. Right. It's like life is back there. Yeah. You know, I've got three hours, four or five hours back on the road to get home. Why am I going to stay like another hour or two here? You know, exactly. The they didn't have to. And because they were wrestling seven days a week back then, twice on Saturday, yeah. twice on Sunday, right? Yeah, and so the next time. Right. And then not to mention, but also sometimes how they would route it, you'd be in Mississippi on one night and be in Oklahoma the next. That's a long drive. For yeah, sure, I, you know? yeah I, I, I remember being on the road for 13 hours with Will Smith when we were going from Louisiana to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, my God. So, and, and there was like four or five of us smashed in a car. And now, would you, you, you mentioned on the way here, you were talking about being on a plane with Ric Flair and how you were just kind of this silent, uh, you know, anomaly. So, do you have memories of being on the road, like in an actual car and like bonding? 
bonding and having the like, camaraderie. I mean, do you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, I traveled with a lot of different people all the time. We're always carpooling. You know, and at, at the time, I might have been the only woman carpooling. And then there was Maxine. You know, I didn't carpool with her. And then there was Nikolai carpooled with her a few times towards the end of uh, South uh, Sunshine. Never carpooled with her. But, you know, these are hills. Yeah. You don't want to get out to a show and you're getting out of a car with a heel. Yeah. I mean, stuff happens like that. I know. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to be healed I because mean, of it, right? But, yeah, but I'm saying there are times when you get in a car with a baby face, you know? Yeah. But you, you pull up to the town, i got to let you off on this side of the hotel so I can, like, get out over here and be a baby face. And, and that's just something that they don't have to deal with anymore. Right, right, right. Know? Right, right. So, um, a, a lot of different personalities. I, I smacked King Carson. You know what? Redneck Dick Murdoch. Oh my gosh, he was the one person today that I love country and western music. Because of Dick Murdoch. Hank ah. Williams Jr. three times. You know, yeah, I still love country and western. He would just play that stuff. He was a big sweetheart. He was tough, though. I seen him one time. He was in Oklahoma, and somebody tried to jump in the ring when he was there. And he went back. You know, went you know past the crowd, went back to his room. Security grabbed the guy and they brought him. They were walking him towards Redneck Dick Murdoch's room. And Dick came out. There was like, hey, Dick, the security wants you. And he comes out and he goes, what? And then they, they take this guy and they go, okay, this is the guy that came at you. And they push this guy towards him. And the guy kind of stumbled, like took three steps with his frame, his chest going out because they pushed him. Oh my God. Dick Murdoch took one right hand, socked him dead in the face, square in the face. I went straight back like a board. And it was like a cartoon. I saw little birdies flying around. <laughs> the guy was not cold. Well, I, I've heard stories. <laughs> the guy was not cold. That is, I've heard it stories. Was like a cartoon. <laughs> I see this in cartoons. This is real. <laughs> I've heard stories of Dick Murdoch. Because in this business, okay, I guess I'll ask you as well, is it about guys that are legitimately tough. And, I, and I'd heard that Dick Murdoch was one of the toughest. Like, you know, Bruiser Brody, Stan right. Hansen, Dick Murdoch. I mean, these guys are legitimately tough guys. They're men. They're tough, tough, tough. And I'm not saying it because anyone's crushing. I mean, I'm saying, but when they get around, I think it was. And I can look back now. Because he was around a woman, they're just gentle and kind. Right. Right? Gentle and kind. So that's what I saw. That's my recollection. Well, I remember Jim Ross talking about him, you know, being like, like you're saying, a nice guy. But when it came time to business, he was a you know a good old boy that could uh, you know take care of business. And is that, isn't that kind of a, of a thing too? Like when you see these guys, there's like these you know, there's these big muscle guys. Obviously, they're big and tough, and they probably can you know kick the average guy's ass. But when we mention about legitimacy, meaning like legitimately tough, that there are guys that are just simply big looking, but when it comes time to actually be legitimately tough, we have found out that, you know, that some aren't as much as others. Right. You know, no, and I, it'll I surprise think. you who is. So, so, so talk about that. Was there anybody that surprised you that, that, you know, that was like, okay, if this was a legitimate fight, this guy could really kick some ass? Wow. Besides Dick Murdoch. <laughs> Was this one sock to the face you've done? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, most of the guys in, in, in the towns that I went into, if we had a good stay where I'd like to get out in the city and see, but you know, at night you get off work and you want to go to the 
would just be uh, like a, a badass, but I would think most of them. I, I see one of my good friends in the business was um, Humperdinck, Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Okay. Now, he's not a badass, but give him a few drinks. Why not see him fight five people out in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know what I'm saying, though? I mean, like, they're all bigger and badder than like an average Joe like myself, but I'm just saying that like, you know, like, Kurt Angle wasn't put over like a monster, okay? But if it came down to a real fight, there was probably nobody that could legitimately, you know, fuck him up. You see what I'm saying? Like, if it came down to a legitimate fight, Kurt Angle was probably going, you know, like, going to be the, the guy. Like, you know, people kind of think of, you know, The Undertaker or even Triple H right. or whatever as being these, like, legitimate guys, but there's guys, even small guys like Chris Jericho. Right, you know what? Who were legitimate tough guys, you know? Right. You know what? In, in most of my life, until I was probably my late 20s or mid 20s, I always dated guys about my own height, you know? You know, a little more than me or whatever. And I never really analyzed myself, just like I always attract non smokers. So I look at you and go, oh, they don't smoke cigarettes, great. I'm mean, yeah. all for you. No. It's just that I, I attract to that type of person. Once I was in wrestling, I realized I was always afraid and intimidated by a big guy. But once I got a wrestling, everybody around me was like that. So I started to accept them and look at them differently. So now when I can look back, I would say, I don't have it. It doesn't matter in the size. It really doesn't. To, to me, I don't care. There are guys that are smaller that can kick butt, or guys that are bigger that can kick butt. So right. I don't think it's a big guy. Your presence, your demeanor, and whatever goes with it, yeah, it might be intimidating, but you might get your butt kicked. Yeah, exactly. Nobody stands out for me. Well, Maybe, I mean, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, big sweetheart. Yeah, my, my I mean, he looks like he would stop you if you pissed him off bad enough. Yeah. That, you know, more than some guy that's, you know, like some tough image and he's going to, you know, tear your head off. And again, to be clear, like I said, these guys are, you know, rolling around and fighting and, you know, taking bumps every every day. So, I mean, they're able to absorb, you know, stuff that a normal person is not used to doing that couldn't. And that, in turn, also makes them tough. You know what I mean? Right, right. But what we were talking about, what I was alluding to in terms of what happened tonight that won't be happening tomorrow, like you mentioned, was, like I said, right after the show, what happened? We were, you know, we, everybody was gracious, we were able to, to meet everybody and talk and, and everything else, uh, and so, so the main event was... They were there for the crowd, no matter what the size, and it was that's very right. humble, right. it was very gracious. So, but the main event was Gangrel versus the Boogeyman. Uh, with okay, and then with Gangrel was Shelly Martinez. Yes. Okay, and then with Boogie uh, Man, uh, he, he had his valet, and so it was a, a mixed tag match. Okay, talk a little bit about that. Like, what? what, what, what that was pretty insane, right? Talk about yeah, it was talk crazy. about the worms on the uh, when you yelled, "Call Peta!" That was your. <laughs> That was That's your, my own thing. That was your crowd pop I mean, right there. This guy's having worms. I mean, night crawlers out of, like crawling out of his mouth. I mean, okay. we're talking about live animals. Yes. Okay, but, but now, but now, but, but now, listen here. <laughs> yes. You did not know. You had never heard of him. Never You'd never of seen him. him because I was afraid of him 15 years ago. Okay, and in seeing him in person, still doing the worms thing, it was like a 
post-hypnotic suggestion. I know. Because I was still like, oh, God. Because I, I still can't even look at it. And then when you wow. saw the actual... Words, I was like going to go up and throw it back in the ring. I wanted to pick them yeah, up and throw it. I don't have, care about... You have... You're a Everybody lot Everybody has their levels. Yeah. I, I draw the line at, at, at eating more. Like, these guys are moving. I thought it was fake at first. So then I looked on the ground because you know, stuff's coming out of his mouth and he's yeah. spitting them in the air. And I and these are real worms. And I'm like, okay, somebody call Peter. <laughs> hey, right. speaking of spitting, Who in the worms. When I was taking the pictures, I of course got way too close to Gangrel and had forgotten that he was going to spit that. Oh, worms, right? Well, not the worms. When, oh. he, when, he, when he drinks the the blood from the wine glass. And he's oh, and I got my face and my camera lens, and yeah, and he spits, and I was like, oh god, like I know you kept running over like a little kid. Oh, do, do I have it on me? He had a couple drops, you know, here and there, like some little red stuff. Oh, are, are, are you? Are you? I think so. Do you? Okay, all right. Nothing major. I mean, there was major stuff. There were so many worms in the center of the ring. I went over and took a picture. Oh god. Pile. And you have to check our, our website, www.trickykid.com. That's T R I C K Y hyphen K I D.com. Uh, okay, so after, so, so who did. Then, oh, when we were leaving, there was Sid Bodie. Right, and yeah. he's the one that throws the whole thing. Absolutely. Uh, right, him and Karen uh, right. throw it. Uh, right. And you saw her, she was so busy. She's the one that came out so with this busy. thing. Right, and then we and then we went and talked with Shelly Martinez. Yes, she seems like you know I didn't get to spend that much time with another gracious, yes. sweet personality, very nice. She was so humble, like taking a few pictures and stuff. Really yeah, nice. absolutely, totally cool. And and then I, I thought it was cool. And then the thing I wanted to mention earlier was that you know I thought it was great that we walked into that place, and then within thirty seconds. Literally thirty seconds. Somebody recognized you. Yeah, they're like, Aren't you dirty? I'm like, yes. And it just shows you right there because after you know, I mean, you know, all this time, you walk into a wrestling environment, and instantly somebody recognized you and who you were. Yeah, I think that people are uh, look like he was even alive and eating. So like, you know, so that's why I was like, true. how badass is that? You know what I mean? And he was, I mean, right off, you're Dark Journey, aren't you? Yes. And so I thought that was, and not, yeah. that had to feel good, right? I mean, yeah, you know. you know what, it does. Acknowledgement in, in a lot of forms. You know, it always feels good. So, yeah, it's a really, it's a really nice. And then when we hooked up with David Gangrel and Boogeyman, of course, you know, and you knew Gangrel from before. Yes, I did a show with him at convention at uh, the LAX Westin, I think it was in 2012. Okay, so that so that was was a few years ago. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, but did, did you work with him before that? Or? No, I didn't work with him before that. But he was so cute. And I didn't know. I was like, "What? Didn't you like Missy Hyatt?" Nah, really. <laughs> well, but yeah, I'm just, I was just oblivious to stuff like that. I was just and, no, and nothing against Missy, life. of yeah. course. No. So, so what? So, okay. So after the show, again, so we, we talked to Shelly Martinez. Uh, oh, and I got your picture with Gay Hitler. Oh, <laughs> he's fabulous. I mean, you talk about dedication to character. Gay Hitler. He's yeah, yeah. Even after the show, it's just. But okay, okay. But think about that for a second, okay? If this was, we're talking about people not, you know.
lot of people jumping into the ring thinking that it's real or 100% real at least, you know? Could you imagine being somewhere around a crowd like that? He would have got beat down. And a guy named Gay Hitler comes out. With, you know, with dildos for spikes on his shoulder pads. I mean, that that's well, just that's just, that's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, I think we're in, in a time and age and an entertainment level that we get that it's all in fun and creativity. You know, but no, I mean, if they ever take it out of the South, oh yeah, no, I mean they would have beat him down before you get in the building. <laughs> right, exactly. But all in all, though, you had a great time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I did. Okay, and that's all that matters. And so that concludes our Dark Journey with Dark Journey. And DJ, I really want to thank you so much for for, 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 for taking part of this. This has been so much fun. It's such a pleasure to work with and be with. And have a great time. And we're on on 91 West. I'm seeing signs for Los Angeles. Uh, really want to thank Sin Bodhi and Karen for, for having us yes. at Freak Show Wrestling. Uh, and I wanted to thank Julia Martinez for being so awesome as always. And all the wrestlers that participated in the event. want to thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, again, you uh, we also, if you want to be able to talk to Dark Journey, uh, DJ, where can they find you on, the, uh, on social media? Wrestling's Dark Journey on Facebook. And it's Wrestling's Dark Journey because there's a lot of dark journey the group journey so don't get lost wrestling's dark journey okay and then are you also on twitter or instagram or are you just on facebook just on facebook okay good deal good deal and of course you can find big show wrestling on um on all the social medias as well again i want to thank simbodia and karen for having us uh and again you know uh make sure you listen subscribe share you can find us on itunes uh all the pictures from this evening will be on uh, trickykid.com and www.trickykid.com. Uh, of course, you can find me, your host, Roy Turner, on Twitter at the, at the handle is trickykid and the number two. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. We have a Facebook page at Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. If you go to iTunes, all you have to do is just type in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast and you can find us. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Tricky Kid Radio. I'm your host, Roy Turner. We'll see you next week.